Mike check one two one two. Mike check one two one two. We back another episode of Taste Tick and Sit a Podcast. Mike check one two one two. A taste to consider podcast. Back for another episode. And we back for another episode. That was a money bag, yo. Definitely feeling his music right now. My boys, they be laughing at me because all I like to listen to rap-wise is 90s music. But I be liking some new niggas too. (laughs) Well, uh, we back for another episode. Start off with my, um, my drink. In my cigar, I'm keeping it light tonight. Um, I got, I'm drinking some red wine, some sweet red wine, my favorite wine. Um, I had it on the show a few times. San Antonio Cardinal American Sweet Red. This semi-sweet is good too. I actually enjoy the semi-sweet even better than the the sweet red. But just keeping it light tonight. Um, the cigar that I'm I'm smoking is damn. I can't even read the print on this. It's so small, or maybe I'm just getting old. I think it's. I think it's just. Uh, it's too small. It look like a Carrillo, Carrillo Encore cigar. The cigar pretty good. Not that strong. Uh, got a decent aftertaste, and of course the wine is good. Like I said, it's one of my favorite wines. I put a lot of people on to that wine. But um, let's start the show officially. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver, and we're back. Back for another episode. Right now, it is Sunday night, February 14th, Valentine's Day. The day of love, as they call it. The day of love. Recording on Valentine's Day. Mm. Well, let me start off with a little, a little funny clip. Fine, fine, fine. You don't scare me, <laughs> you know? I'll tell you the difference. I'll break it down for you. Cole, tell them the difference. <laughs> love, love has four letters, and um, sex is three. <laughs> Tommy, it's on you, okay? Roll with it. Okay? Come on, man. I'll tell you what love is. Love sharing. Yeah. Caring, commitment. Preach on, Tommy. Love is two souls joined together as one. School your boys. Love is flowers for no reason. Love is, is, is telling her all the things she wants to hear. Until you get the draw. 
for a minute, man. <laughs> that was from uh, Martin. <laughs> yeah, I always be telling people because, especially like on social media, it be heavy on social media. Women always be talking about effort, effort, effort. And even some of them, some dudes that be trying to get women's attention and stuff, always be talking about some a, a dude that's really interested going to give you effort and all this other stuff. And I always be like, yeah, he can give you effort for anything. He going to give you effort to get some ass too. So don't be falling for that effort trick. You got to be smart enough and have enough discernment to know what that interest is actually for. But, you know, people like to do the cliche stuff on social media. But, shit, a nigga's interest can be for anything. But I digress. Let's recap to the last show. The last show, um, I definitely thought I was a little rusty. Definitely thought I was a little rusty from my break, my time off. Um, but overall, still got good feedback about the show. Um, I was the only one that thought I was rusty. Um, shit. Besides that, I mean, excuse me. The show caused a little, I guess, I got to be careful how I choose my words. Um, and particularly for the simple fact that it's Mercury retrograde right now and communication is, is, is tied to Mercury retrograde and you have to be very careful with how you word things, how you phrase things, how you say things during Mercury retrograde because things can go way left and way out of context. And a portion of my last podcast episode that happened when I was talking about uh, my group podcast and my friends and how I felt about certain things when it came to my mind on my end and stuff like that. So that caused the, I don't even know what word to use because even when I was talking about it on last episode, I used the word betrayed. And even after I used the word betrayed, I said that word is a little too harsh, but you know, things get taken out of context and stuff may seem more deeper to other people than it actually is. And like I said, no Mercury retrograde stuff always gets taken out of context when it comes to communication. And I definitely regret using that word betrayed, despite the fact that I already said that, um, you know, that word was too harsh but when I was commenting on my group podcast and and stuff like that taking a step back and stuff and all that that only had to do with me that had to do with me reevaluating how I uh how I work in the relation in in relationships when it comes to group dynamics when you're dealing with any type of business aspects and just period you know me putting a little bit more effort in into things outside of me you know I'm, I was putting a little bit more effort into the group podcast when um, some people that was in the group wasn't doing the same and then I was lagging on my individual podcast and my blog and other things that I should be working on or I could be putting a little bit more effort in I was basically feeling as though that 
you know, I had to take a step back and reevaluate how I how I uh, look at things, how I approach things. And even to see with me taking that step back, if I'm taking things too serious or if I'm looking at things too deep. But you know, it was taken out of context. So um, a conversation um, a conversation is warranted amongst other members of the group. But I ain't gonna say no more because I ain't no chatty patty type person. But when I was talking about the pod, the root podcast and that dynamic and stuff, I was solely commenting on the aspect that I can control, which I was speaking of with stepping back and reevaluating stuff and how I should approach things and how I should look at things and stuff like that. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, let's get into more of the of this episode. I don't want to dwell on last episode. But... I know a couple of episodes ago, I talked about the Dave Chappelle stuff when, you know, he came out and was asking everybody to stop watching uh, the Chappelle show and and everything. So, um, you know, he can get because he had he's not getting paid for it in anything. Uh, you know, he asked people to boycott the show on um, Netflix and Comedy Central and stuff. And so he got paid from Comedy Central. So it finally happened. Um, the Chappelle show is back on Netflix. Um, he says Comedy Central paid him. Um, and I thought that it was very interesting how, you know, he was able to get everybody together collectively to what degree. Um, I'm not sure, but it was powerful enough for him to get his rights back as well as getting paid for his show, his creative endeavors. And it had me, you know, thinking about if we would only put this type of collective energy toward things that will really help the community. And this is not, you know, taking a slight at Dave Chappelle and the people who supported him. I think that's great what they did. I mean, these are examples. These are the things that we need to, you know, show us that we can do it in on in all different arenas when it comes to the uh, the black community. So I thought it was a great thing, you know, and it just had me just reflecting back and, you know, looking at it like, you know, if we do this when it comes to politics or reparations or housing or education and stuff like that, um, you know, we have the power. We, I'm not sure that a lot of people in the black community understands the financial power that we have, that we can cripple a lot of um, infrastructures in America, you know, to get the things that we want, political, um, retail, uh, like I said, housing, government, all of that. We can, we have the power to do it. It's just the fact, can we come together to do it? But we always seem to collectively come together for things that really don't, that really won't help us in the long run. You know, they may help somebody else, particularly in this situation when it comes to a celebrity, you get instances where it seems like it's no problem for black people to support a celebrity in order for them, for that celebrity to get something that they want, something that they're fighting for, but it doesn't benefit us. And we continue to support certain celebrities and they aren't doing anything 
to fight for the people who are fighting for them, you know. So that was just a thought that I had about that. I thought that was a it was a good thing that, you know, we was able to see that, you know, we need all those type of examples to to happen. You know, hopefully we get it to a scale where it's something that will actually benefit us in the long run instead of, a, you know, helping out somebody else individually. But um, another thing that came across my my eyes was the um, Justin Timberlake uh, apologizes to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. And. It didn't surprise me when I saw this for the simple fact when the Super Bowl was going on, um, I was on Twitter and I saw a lot of people talking about, you know, um, this is Janet Jackson Appreciation Day. And I never knew that existed. The fact that, you know, the Appreciation Day is on Super Bowl Day and it's because of, you know, what happened to her during the halftime show when she was performing with Justin Timberlake. Um, And we all know the controversy around that, so... I thought it was I thought it was interesting that it, it happened when it did because I did see a lot of pressure, but I wasn't surprised that it happened. But the the aspect of Britney Spears, I was surprised with that because I don't know too much about um, why he needed to give her an apology. Not saying that he 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 didn't need to. I just didn't. I just don't know what's going on with that. But I did hear that she actually has a documentary out right now on Hulu and I I haven't watched it yet but I will uh, get a chance to watch it this week and I can comment it on the next show but I definitely seen a lot of stuff about about Britney Spears and the stuff going on with her as far as uh, I I believe it's her, her dad who's like controlling basically he's controlling her he's controlling how she spends her money where she can go, who she can be with, and stuff like that. And I've seen this for a couple of years every now and then on on social media, but I will only see it on like uh, quote-unquote conspiracy, conspiracy theory pages or uh, platforms. So I knew that it was a thing, and I knew that she's been fighting in court to get um, basically her life back. And I know that recently she went to court and she got a big win on her part. And I have to look into more of that and I can comment it. I can comment on it on the next show. But he did apologize. Uh, It was a lengthy apology. A lot of people have came out and said that they don't really uh, believe his apology. They believe it's just, you know, something that he had to do because the heat was on him, Um, which is probably true. But. I probably will go more into the the apology once I take a look at the um, the documentary and see what that was all about. Um, <clears throat> I also got a chance to uh, watch the uh, Judas and Messiah movie, um, the movie that was about the. Um, it was about the informant, um, what was his name, dang, what the heck was his name, um, let me pull it up real quick, um, his name, he was an FBI informant, his name was William O'Neill, the movie was basically based upon him, 
It wasn't a movie about Fred Hampton. Excuse me. And a lot of people thought that it was going to be a movie about Fred Hampton, but it came from the perspective of William O'Neill, who was the FBI informant. And uh, I follow a lot of blackity black people on uh, Twitter and (laughs) uh, Instagram. And, you know, a lot of people had issues about, you know, the fact that the movie was solely based on you know, um, the perspective or the point of view of William O'Neill and how it didn't really get into uh, Fred Hampton, his views, his his uh, radical views, his radical nature. Um, um, of course, he was the chairman of the Black Panther Party, Party the Illinois chapter. And um, what I always forget about Fred Hampton was that he was just 21 years old. And that always... That always amazes me when I uh, see a lot of guys that were black uh, men, black women that were part of the quote unquote uh, black revolution and how young they were, um, how young and, you know, uh, how intelligent they were and, you know, the drive that they had, uh, the motivation that they were able to, how how they were able to motivate uh, so a mass of people at, at such a young age and stuff that that always uh, surprises me and um, inspires me as well. Um, I'm 39 years old, so you know I'm definitely way older than a lot of them that were in the struggle back then. But it's, it's all it always amazes me. Um, but the movie, I thought the movie was good from the aspect of it being uh, an enjoyable entertaining movie uh I I know I've known about Fred Hampton for ever since I was a little kid I was when I was a a young kid I was always in the uh, black history and stuff like that and uh I resonated a lot with Malcolm X and I I always said if I was growing up back then I would have either been part of the Nation of Islam or I would have been a Black Panther you know, particularly a Black Panther. I just, you know, that was m- much more of a young organization. And if if you felt so much, a lot of power when it came to the Black Panthers, the way that they conducted themselves and how they challenged the, uh, the police, uh, the system, the government and stuff like that. So I already known a lot of stuff about Fred Hampton. I didn't know... Um, but it's some more that I feel like I can learn about him, so I will be doing that. But I didn't know a lot about William O'Neill. Um, we've all heard, well, I'm not gonna say we all, but you know, some may have heard of stories of you know FBI informants and stuff infiltrating uh, black organizations, uh, Nation of Islam, Malcolm X organization, uh, Martin Luther King's organization, Black Panthers, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and the way that the movie was portrayed, um, one thing about uh, biopics, you always have to tread lightly with the things that you believe because a lot of the stuff is embellished and it's not a, a true, true, a true, true story. It is based off of true events and you know they have to write, you know, they have to fill in a lot of things. So it's, it's hard to really know how William O'Neill was feeling as opposed to how they portrayed him on the film. 
because the way that they portrayed him on the film, you know, he, he was going through a lot, you know, stress. This wasn't something that he willingly wanted to do. He did this, you know, in order so he wouldn't have to go to jail. But, you know, throughout the movie, they showed the times that, you know, he was stressing about it and how he was he was in such conflict or whatever. And the, the interesting thing about it is I, I didn't know that he committed suicide a few years later after, you know, everything happened. And he gave an interview for a documentary, Eyes, Eyes on the Prize, part two. That's the documentary. And I believe a couple of days after he did an interview for that documentary, he committed suicide, well, allegedly committed suicide. So, you know, that can speak to the conflict that he was going through. But you just never know unless you actually talk to the physical people. So I always tread lightly when I watch biopics as far as what what is the actual true story and what what has been embellished for entertainment purposes, which I always find is weird because I feel like um, true stories. Why do you need to embellish something? I mean, people like people pretty much like to see true stories especially when you put everything in there and it it got me thinking about like the the malcolm x biopic and i've read the autobiography of malcolm x a couple of times and i've done research on malcolm x and stuff and i know that certain things in the book was embellished and i know a lot of things in the movie was embellished because the movie was based off of the the quote-unquote autobiography but um yeah, I thought it was still an entertaining movie, but um, I feel like just tread lightly on the things that you believe in if you want to really know what happened and just do your research. But I enjoyed the movie, and, you know, if you want to watch it, you can. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, a lot of the blackity black um, platforms that I follow on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, they was having a problem with the fact that Fred Hampton was portrayed by... Um, somebody who wasn't a quote-unquote black American and you know a lot of people was up in arms about that and I agree I definitely agree about that because I, I have noticed over, over a long period of time that they seem to always give uh, black British actors or actors of um, Jamaican African descent but not black Americans, these roles of true black Americans. And I, that's always weird. And, and I, don't, I don't feel like that's a coincidence. I feel like that's perf purposeful. But um, yeah, I ain't going to go into a lot of that. But yeah, a lot of people were up in arms about that. But I, I still feel like um, the guy who portrayed... Fred Hampton, I still feel like he did a good job, you know. But hopefully one day we'll start having more true black Americans playing these roles of other black Americans. But it is what it is. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it uh, right now. But um, what else? I got a short, I got a short show. Um, I'm going to make it more of an effort to record every week. This season um, But yeah it's Valentine's Day 
And you know, they call it the day of love, 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 love. On you know, on social media. Um, like I was talking about on the last episode when I felt like, you know, um the reason why I'm not active on Instagram anymore and it's people wanna be seen and it's a lot of people feel like they they wanna show that they're they're living some type of life or they living the same life as others or they're doing something and you know it's a lot of insecurities and stuff centered around Instagram the energy around it is just real real funny it's not a true energy around a a, a true authentic energy around um Instagram you know and of course you know it's Valentine's Day so you go in there you see everybody showing what they're making for breakfast the gifts they got uh, what they making for dinner, the outfit they want, all that, you know, which is fine. I'm not saying that you don't have to do it. You know, I'm not saying that it's bad for you to do it, but, you know, it's just about the, the reason for doing it. What, are, you know, what is your intention around the things that you do when it comes to social media? Because social media is a, a platform, no matter what, if it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that, it's a breeding ground for insecurities, depression, depression, anxiety, all of that, you know, the amount of anxiety people have with just trying to take a picture just to post, um, what, you know, what they're going to post, um, making sure that they post something every day, you know, stuff like that. It's just, it's a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of, uh, depression around and people comparing themselves, envy, jealousy, all of that. So, you know, just, you know how it is, just be intentional about the things that you do. That's, that's, that's my advice. And, you know, that's my focus on, on social media and particularly just in my life period at this, at this point in time. Um, everything is a progress. Everything doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, you'll get there when it's, when it's meant for you to get there, you know, and there's, there's always levels to everything, but yeah, it's Valentine's day and, you know, love, love, love. And I, and this is something that I always kind of think about when I see people talk about love on uh, social media and stuff like that, is that, like, we talk about love a lot and what's really love on social media and just period in, in our lives when we discussing it with friends and, and stuff like that, significant others, um, and I always be thinking, like, we, we do so much talking about love and what people should be doing in relationships and stuff like that or what they won't tolerate or what you shouldn't tolerate and stuff. And it just always has me thinking, like, probably 99.9999999% of us don't really know what love is or how to love. I am convinced in that. I am convinced based off of my experiences based off of my interactions with other people, how they talk about it, how they view it. You know, we get our, our examples of love is passed down from generations and they got it from somebody else and et cetera, et cetera. And particularly when you're talking about the so-called black person, our, our concept of love, I don't think is, 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 is healthy. I don't think it's authentic. Um, because of the the trauma that we've gone through uh, over generations and how that trauma has been passed down. So it's always a continuous thing where each generation has to try to break a cycle. 
And if they're not breaking it, they're just strengthening the cycle that's all that's already been built. And I just always be thinking like, we don't really know love. We 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 don't. And one of the main reasons why I know that is because we focus on love when it comes to getting it, receiving it, or giving it to somebody else, as opposed to giving it to ourselves and allowing ourselves to receive it from other people. And I hope that makes sense to you. A lot of people don't know how to be lovable, meaning they don't know how to receive love. Whether their fears and insecurities aren't tied into it or what they learn with their parents or uh, you know their parents' relationships or what they learn from their parents, their, what they learn from their relationship with their parents on how to receive love. And in turn, how you should give yourself love, you know. I, I've never heard nobody talk about being taught about how to love themselves as a little kid. Never heard about it. It was always about giving somebody else love or what you can get, you know, trying to get it from somebody else. But it's never about allowing yourself to receive love, learning how to allow yourself to receive love as well as to give it to yourself, you know. So I really do feel like we don't really know what love is. And it affects, you know, our relationships because we're so focused on the external aspect of love as opposed to the eternal aspect of love. You know, the, um, the eternal of anything when it comes to emotions and stuff, when it comes to our our mental, you know, it's reciprocated on the outside. It's recip- everything from within is reciprocated on the outside. So if it's not right on the inside, then it's definitely not going to be out right on the outside. You know, we're not going to project love correctly. We're not going to see it correctly. We're not going to be able to feel it correctly, you know. So I always struggle with the fact that we talk about love, but we always talk about it from an external point of view, never an internal point of view. I even see it with churches. You know, I, I, it was it was at one time where I saw a lot of like churches on social media uh, promoting love in relationships, <clears throat> but nev- it was never about learning how to love yourself. It was always about trying to find a man or trying to find a woman. You got your singles group and all that other stuff, um, the marriage stuff, but there was never any type of promotion about self-love. It was always about finding a good man and all this other stuff, or a good woman. And then you have these pastors on the pulpit giving uh, relationship advice and stuff like that, but they was never talking about self-love. They was always talking about relationships, always talking about relationships. And not to say that, it, you know, relationships are important. Relationships is 
probably one of the top important things in our lives because that that's everything relationship with ourself and it just umbrellas out your relationship with your significant other your parents your friends uh your co-workers the person you cross on the street you know that's a relationship you're relating but I think it's it's time that you know collectively you know um particularly in the black the black community we have to focus on self love and how important that is and by us you know learning it um uh, learning how to love ourselves uh it a you know just flow out into the open with all of the relationships that we we deal with take a couple of puffs real quick before my cigar go out yeah but I definitely think um, it's important about how to love ourselves and how to um allow ourselves to be loved because i feel like it is not a top priority and it is it's it isn't something that is healthy it's not healthy at all um what else i got to talk about um oh yeah going back to the uh Just my microphone real quick. Going back to the uh one second. Excuse me. Going back to going back to the the Judas and Messiah movie. And one thing uh, they had somebody on there portraying Jack Hoover. And one of the things that he said on there that relates to the Dave Chappelle stuff um, was he said, the greatest threat to America is black unity, not the Russians or the Chinese. Black unity. Excuse me. And they know how important that is. The systems, the organizations, the people, they know they know how important black unity is. They definitely know how important black unity is. Uh, that's why they try so hard, you know, to keep us divided. One way that black people always see it for some reason is in voting. I mean, but it's so much deeper than that, but it seems like black people only want to see it when it comes to, to voting. They divide us in so many ways that the voting don't even matter. Honestly, it really doesn't. That's just, 
that's just like the tip of the iceberg right there. We just scratching the surface when we looking at it like they trying to keep us divided when it comes to to voting. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was um, a very telling quote by J. Edgar Hoover. All right. One of the things I stumbled across that that's in relation to Valentine's Day, and I'm pretty sure many of you um, saw it, was um, the tweets that Cardi B put out about Valentine's Day and gift giving when it comes to men and women. Um, let me see if I can find the original tweet. Um, she, I mean, she, she put out a lot of, she said, uh, she put out a lot of tweets and I can't find the original tweet. I just got all the other tweets that she put out, but she basically said that, you know, uh, whatever men give women gift wise, uh, women have to give them pretty much the, the lower version of it. So what she say, uh, if a if a man buy if a man buy you flowers, then you give him grass. Grass meaning the grass that's in you alone, not the the grass that you smoke. <laughs> and um, let me see where it picked up from there. Oh yeah, here you go. Um, yeah, she said so. If he buys you flowers, you buy him grass. Uh, she said yes. Men do deserve to get gifts as well for Valentine's Day, but the gift has to be less expensive than the girl's gift. So he, if he buys you flowers, you buy him grace. And then she proceeded to say, okay, so due to my V-Day tweet, men came on my Twitter roasting me saying, but you bought your man a Lambo. But remember, I got $550,000 ring on my left hand, 400000 ring on my right, thousands of dollars in Birkins, so much jewelry, a Lambo truck, and a Rolls Royce truck. So we even in gifts. So if you don't like the flowers and grass comparisons, let me give you one that that make men happy. If you buy her $1,000 Louboutin heels, she should buy you a PS5. That's around $550. It's fair. Now, if you think your gift should cost more than your girl gift, you are just a B-I-T-C-H. Yeah. <laughs> um so I'm pretty sure everybody saw that that's listening to the show and there's always been a a thing when it comes to Valentine's Day and and gift giving with with uh <clears throat> men and women which is a terrible thing because there shouldn't be no price on love and when it comes down to it, uh, you know, I know women don't like when they hear people say this, you know, about every day being Valentine's Day. But when it comes down to it, every day should be Valentine's Day if you allow it to be. So you basically sitting here worrying about this one day out of 365 or 366 days out of the year. So you pretty much telling me that all y'all doing the rest of that year is complaining, 
arguing, fighting, everything is just toxic. But that one day, that's the only day you're going to allow yourself to be loved. And that day that you allow yourself to be loved, that is only materialistic. And then it's then it got to be a competition on who's giving the best gift in the relationship. And that just ain't the way to conduct the relationship. And then I've seen a lot of people talking about the fact that, you know, she's talking all this stuff that she's talking and, you know, offset cheating on her a thousand times. Who knows? I don't know. But that that's just <laughs> that's something, you know, beyond me. I don't I don't really care about that fact. I just care about the fact that you putting out this narrative. And this is the problem with when it comes to celebrities and people following these celebrities and and a lot of people really don't have any type of dang, what's what's a good word a lot of people don't have any any mental strength in order to have their a lot of people basically are followers <laughs> a lot of people are basically followers and they'll follow behind somebody that that's on the TV or got more money than them thinking that they're you know that they got wisdom and that just ain't the fact. So that's what we got to deal with. And it's obvious that it's obvious that <laughs> that mindset ain't going to go away because <laughs> it's still here. But you have to allow yourself you have to allow your relationship to hold love in its in that space other than just one day that's marketed for retail purposes, you know. You don't have to prove anything to nobody on social media or anybody in your life on what gift was given to you as and how that should rate your love life was just weird to me but you know people got to do what they got to do one of the things that i've been doing uh recently is uh i've been reading the love languages book and mm, i don't i don't know if y'all going to hear that or not but that was my stomach growling <laughs> um I had dinner at my parents' house earlier. You know, old folk, old country folk like to eat early. So, you know, I had basically like a early, early dinner, late lunch. <clears throat> so my stomach was growling. But yeah, uh, damn, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I've been reading the Love Language Languages book. And I've the reason I started off reading it was because um, I'm going to do a, a show about it. Um, and how it relates to me and my mental health and stuff like that. Because when you think about if you ever taken the love language test and you you see what your uh, scores are and what your love what your uh, love languages are and how they correlate to your mental aspect based off of answering those questions, you'll you'll know how important it is mentally. So I've taken the test several times and mine's pretty much has been the same, but I'm going to take it again before I do the episode. But I've been reading the book and, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff in the book um, is eye opening. Um, 
but I'm not surprised by it. Some of the things I, I, I already knew, but just to see it written on paper and to read it and have a different type of reflection on it based off of somebody else's point of view um, is making me look at things differently and how to approach things. And and even with me speaking about how to love and loving yourself and stuff, I feel like we're, even with love languages, you know, love languages is real popular. So we know everybody uses it and takes the test and stuff like that for their relationship. But we don't necessarily look at it as learning our love languages to learn how to love ourselves. And that's one of the reasons, another one of the reasons why I started reading the book. And one of the things that I felt was the most important about me reading the book was to, you know, learn more about my love languages and how I can better learn how to love myself so I won't have a codependency on somebody else and just even to to heal myself to heal my inner child because a lot of a lot of the uh the stuff that we go through stuff is is from our inner child when you think about it you know a lot of the 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 mental things that we go through when it comes to our relationships and stuff like that and love comes from our inner child is what we learn you know it just grows as we go along if we're not doing anything about it so that was one thing that I felt like was real important for me to do is to you know learn how to love myself based off of my love languages um so I hope to have that show next week but you know I'm still reading the book and I could read the book in one day but I'm the type of person when I read books when I read certain things, I'll read it and then I like to put the book down for a while and reflect on it. And then sometimes if it's like a self-help book or any type of spiritual book or anything like that, sometimes I just got to take a break from it because, you know, I ain't I don't like being too heavy all the time with, with that stuff. You know, it gets exhausting sometimes. And, you know, you got to keep a balance on life. So I hope to bring that show soon. Um. Yesterday, I watched <laughs> I watched the Malcolm and Marie movie, and you know I've been hearing about it. I've been seeing it on uh, Twitter and stuff like that, and people talking about it and how toxic the movie is and stuff like that. So when I was seeing all that stuff, he was like, "It's all toxic and stuff like that." I was like, "Man, I ain't watching that shit then." Cause I just don't feel like being exhausted from from that stuff, but I I ended up watching it. I feel like I should still watch it and get my own opinion of it, and make sure I was in a, a good mind frame to watch it. And I wanted to to talk about it uh, for this show, you know, with it being Valentine's Day and talking about love, love, love. Um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there watching the movie and I took damn near um I took damn near two pages of notes on this movie. Ridiculous. Two full pages of notes on this movie. Um yeah. <laughs> so I thought the movie was I thought the movie was real good. I really thought I enjoyed the movie. 
the movie was fucking exhausting, though. It was exhausting in certain points because basically the movie is uh, starring John David Washington and um, Zendaya. And they're in a relationship together. And the movie is solely on them the whole time. They're in, in, in the house. The movie is black and white. And the movie is literally them sitting there arguing the whole damn time. An hour and 40 minutes of arguing. And I thought one of the one of the things that was very telling was the fact that the movie was in black and white and how the movie went. Everything about that whole movie and their whole conversation and their arguing and stuff was hot and cold. It was it was no in between. It was no middle. Everything was either hot or cold, good or bad, love or hate. So it made sense that the movie was black and white. <laughs> Uh, the the movie gave me Spike Lee vibes, early Spike Lee vibes. Um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, let me position these notes in the better place so I can see it, so I can stop turning my head. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I thought was real weird about the damn movie was Zendaya playing in it. Granted, she's of age, she's 24 years old, but she still has such a immature, immature quality to her physically, um, how she speaks. Um, she's 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 very tiny. Um, her her voice is she just she just looks real young. She doesn't look of age. She doesn't look of age, and it was very weird to see her interact with uh, John David. John David is 36 years old, and he's much more mature uh, in the film. Um, uh, he's very, the, he played a very strong, he had a very strong presence in the movie as opposed to Zendaya. Like, they could have actually filmed this movie, and it could have just been called Malcolm. He could have just been in that house by himself arguing and reflecting amongst himself, you know. Zendaya, she did a good job, but the the immature quality of of her, and this could just be me, the way that I see it, but her presence wasn't strong. She didn't have a strong presence based off the immature quality of her look. In her presence, um, she just very she had a very childish look. Uh, in the beginning of the movie, um, you can definitely see that she seemed like she was irritated with him, that she was tired of him, that she was just tolerating him. Um, From the beginning of the movie, I, I started seeing it as though that he was more interested in her as opposed to her being interested in him based off of, you know, the some of the first interactions that they were having. Um, he definitely gaslighted her a lot in the movie. He definitely showed that he was very selfish towards her. Excuse me. He didn't acknowledge her a lot. He he seemed very arrogant. Had a lot of narcissistic qualities. 
And when it comes to narcissism, I feel like we all have narcissistic qualities just based on the fact that we come from a narcissistic society. And but that's a, that's another conversation. But I feel like we all have narcissistic qualities because though um, I think the people who just uh, pro, pro, um, project those qualities are people who aren't necessarily true narcissists. I, I think there's a difference between a true narcissist and somebody who just displays narcissistic qualities. And I feel like that he was more so of a narcissist as opposed to just displaying narcissistic qualities because she definitely had narcissistic qualities, but she wasn't a narcissist. He didn't consider her feelings a lot in the beginning of the movie. I mean, he damn near was talking the whole movie when it, when it started. He was doing a lot of talking. I'm not going to tell the movie if you haven't seen it, but if people have seen it already, and if you once you watch it, you'll understand what I'm saying. He was doing a lot of talking about himself, about, um, you know, the, what he was involved in and stuff. Um, but as the movie started going along, I definitely noticed that they gas, they, they were gaslighting each other. Um, she seemed to be a little more jealous of him at times. Um, but you could definitely see that they both resented each other. Um, they were passing, they were passing the pain. They couldn't get past the pain that, um, each of them had caused each other throughout their relationship because they was bringing up a lot of stuff. It was just one minute they'd be arguing and then they'll be cool, just hanging out or kissing or something like that. And then all of a sudden she'll bring up something from a few days ago or, or something like that. <laughs> you know, it was just, it just wasn't whatever argument or discussion that they was having was never good enough for it. it never seemed like, it could be resolved because she was always bringing up something else. She was holding on to a lot of stuff. It was a lot of resentment and stuff there. Um, I felt like they both was having this feeling that they owed each other something, uh, you know, based off of things that they did for each other throughout the relationship. They was kind of like throwing it in each other's faces a lot saying, well, you can't say I loved you because I did this during this time and stuff like that. And they was, they just kept doing that. It was a lot of toxic and a lot of hurtful and trauma going on in there. He was cussing her out a lot. He was just, he was being, they was both being evil to each other. They was both trying to hurt each other's feelings and stuff like that. It was just, it was exhausting at times. They was both beating each other up and, and putting each other down. It was like, if one, if one of them felt like the other won the argument, the loser in the argument felt like they had to come in and beat the other person up and be evil to him and put him down and stuff like that. And when they was arguing, it was like they was in a competition with each other. They was always trying to one up each other, pushing each other's buttons and stuff like that. It was just it just didn't it was just exhausting. It was fucking toxic. <laughs> I mean, like what people were saying is, were, was right. It was fucking toxic. And it was weird because I was seeing people on Twitter and stuff saying how it was toxic as far as it was bad you know they was looking at it like 
what was going on in the movie and what they were going through was bad. But then you see people that was embracing it. But and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that people was embracing the toxicity because some people feed off of it. They don't feel like they're being loved if they're not being emotionally abused, mentally abused, physically abused or, you know, not being told to shut up or something like that. You know, people actually feed off that toxicity. They don't they can't live without it. You know, just like when people. They live to eat as opposed to eat to live. You know, some people just need that toxicity in their life. They need that drama. They need the, the trauma. They need all that. They just couldn't let shit go. It's like neither one of them. They couldn't let shit go. But it seemed like Zendaya's character was more heavy on it. You know, they was trying to prove their worth to each other when they was talking about, you know, what they've done for each other and all this other stuff. It was just crazy. It was a crazy movie, but it was a good it was a good movie if you were able to get past the the um I ain't gonna say get past if you ain't into that toxic shit, <laughs> it was a good movie. If you could yeah, if you could if you could get past the emotional trauma that you may have or you may have gone through in a relationship or something like that then it was an entertaining movie but if you can't get past that this movie is going to trigger the hell out of you trigger the hell out of you it's going to bring if you got a if you in a relationship that's similar to them and you watching this movie and you can't get past nothing you shouldn't watch the movie because it's going to fuel you to start an argument with your significant other you're going to feel emboldened by watching this movie. I mean, John David was talking about all the women he slept with. He was throwing it in her face and stuff. It was just crazy emotional abuse, both of them. They was playing songs to each. It was one point when Zendaya played this song for him. And it was talking about, uh, I think it was saying something like, I hate you so much and all this other stuff, but I can't let you go and all this but I do love you and all. <laughs> it was just some crazy shit. <laughs> you could definitely see that. Um, they talked about in the movie about some early trauma that she's gone through. Because uh, John David definitely threw it in her face about how he helped her through that period of her life. You can definitely see that she doesn't. She has a lot of insecurities and she doesn't love herself and stuff. You know, you can tell. And um She's not too motivated and stuff like that when it comes to her career and stuff and how that affected her, how her the the stuff that she's gone through affected that and stuff. It is probably a therapist dream to watch this movie. It really a, a therapist dream or a person like me who's into mental health and into analyzing people's minds and the things that they do. It, it was like a treasure trove for me. I could have had more notes than I than I actually did, but I was thinking to myself, "Well, damn! If I if I keep writing notes, I'm gonna be on this podcast for about two and a half hours." <laughs> um, it was at one point where uh, John David was talking about how she she kept putting out there that um she made it a she made it a point. I want to say it correctly. She made it a point to show that um, he needed her by some of the things that she was saying. And he brought that up. They both brought up great points to each other. It, that, And that was one thing about the movie. They definitely knew what each other was doing to each other, but they just couldn't let the shit go. 
they couldn't get beyond the the drama. They couldn't get beyond the trauma. They couldn't get beyond the toxic stuff. They were stuck in park the whole time. And and when they would get out of park, they would only hit reverse. They would only hit reverse. And then they would just go back to neutral. And you know neutral, you you just sitting there as long as your foot on the brake. But they, they can never get beyond neutral. They can never get beyond neutral. They can never go forward. They can never go forward in this damn movie. Never go forward. This shit was crazy. And this, man... And this shit was toxic. And it's hard to say, like at one point, I felt like, um, I feel like John David does love her, but I do feel like he was selfish. And I was trying, I felt like he was frustrated and he was tired um, because he was more... I felt like he was more emotionally mature. That doesn't mean that he was mature, mature emotionally, but he was more mature, emotionally mature than she was. And I felt like he was getting frustrated and he was getting tired of kind of like carrying the relationship because she was always bringing them back to, she was always putting them in park or she was always putting them in reverse. And when he would bring it to neutral to try to go to drive, she would just put it right back in in reverse or put it in park. You know what I'm saying? And so I did. I haven't figured. I guess by the end of the movie, I kind of believed that she loved him and I kind of believe they loved each other. But I'm not so sure. I think I will probably have to watch the movie again and do a little bit more analyzing. I'm not sure if, you know, they were just together based off of the trauma, you know, or it was familiar to them or, you know, they felt like the each of them felt like they owed each other to stay together because of what they what they gone through with the other. You know, there's there's relationships like that. So I don't, I don't know. She's definitely. That's. That's what was in the song. The song that she played for him, it was saying something about, you know, she's afraid. She is so afraid he's going to hurt her and all this other stuff. So it's kind of like she was self-sabotaging. She was definitely that's she was definitely doing a lot of self-sabotaging. Like I said, anytime that he would get it back in neutral and, and try to put it in drive. I guess she would get scared and she would put it right back in reverse or park. She just couldn't let stuff go. Even outside of him being an asshole, that's why I feel like, uh, to a degree, him being an asshole and, and and him being selfish and stuff was based off of him being frustrated and tired. He just, it was kind of like, he wanted to have a free moment for himself, you know, to relish in his, his accomplishments and stuff like that, or to just speak about, you know, how he felt or, you know, what he was going through at the moment. But he did give off vibes as though he does that a lot. So that's where I get the narcissistic stuff from um, and him being selfish and stuff. So uh, I will have to watch it again. But he might not be t- a total narcissist. He might just have the narcissistic qualities. But um, 
like I said, they picked at each other a lot. Um, he definitely, he definitely showed like he needed his ass kissed. And I don't know if he was trying to, if that was frustration where he, it was to the point where he was just getting tired of always going back to the same old conversations. And he just felt like, you know, he deserved a little credit. Who knows? You know, um, they both have a chip on their shoulder. Definitely both have a chip on their shoulder. Um, and that was displayed a lot. Um, like I got right here, right after that, they, it, it was almost like they neither, neither of them felt like they were supported by the, by each other. So, so a degree, they was both, you know, they was both selfish. They, they was both feeding off each other, basically. And like I said, even though John David may have been emotionally more mature than she, she was, he was still immature in a lot of ways because he will always, when she would take it to places, he would run right back into the same space, into that same emotional space where he would be cussing her out and, and doing the hurtful and hateful things to her as well. You know, he couldn't let go of, of just being the bigger man, of being the bigger man. He couldn't let go and just be the bigger man. He always had to go back to the same place that she was at when she was being hurtful and stuff like that. Um, I felt like basically the moral of the story was everything when you're in a relationship, everything is not all about you and you have to be cognizant of that, that everything isn't about you and you have to show some humility. You have to work together you have to know each other's love languages. You have to, you have to relate. You can't just be an individual in a partnership and you not being partners or you're not being, or you're not relating. You just, you're just coexisting with each other. You're not, you're not being a partner. You're not being, you're not relating. You're just coexisting. So I felt like the moral of the story was everything is not all about you. Don't be in a relationship just to coexist. If you want to have a partner, partnership, you have to be a partner. If you want to be in a relationship, you have to relate. It can't just be a, a, all about you individual coexistence situation because you know a lot of a lot of people can just coexist with somebody you know i can go out here and meet somebody on the street and coexist with them and not have to worry about being a partner or you know relate to them you know I'm, it's easy to coexist and i feel like what i've been talking about with the self-love and stuff like that we coexist with a lot of people we coexist with ourselves we coexist exist with ourselves every damn day. We're not intentional about a lot of the things that we do. We don't know how to love ourselves. We don't know how to be lovable. So we coexist with ourselves. And if we're coexisting with ourselves, if we're not loving ourselves right, we can't expect to to love somebody else right. We're going to coexist with another person. So that's the moral of the story. And that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> this is probably one of the earliest, the well, the shortest podcast I've done in a while. But I feel like I, I got to the point, and I hope that you agree. Oh, let me talk about this, too, because I forgot to uh, mention this on last episode, and I forgot to go deeper into Mercury Retrograde, and we're almost through with Mercury Retrograde. It ends on February 20th, 
but there is a post shadow phase to it and post shadow phase means that some of the mercury retrograde energy is going to linger so you may still uh come across some of the same mercury retrograde vibes there's a um a beginning a a a pre-period for mercury retrograde is usually like two weeks or a week and a half before the actual mercury retrograde starts and mercury retrograde is like three weeks and then you have a post shadow phase a pre-shadow and a post-shadow and those are usually around like two weeks one and a half weeks and those those uh energies still linger so um i came across something because uh a couple of weeks ago i was talking to some of the guys and i was trying to relate to them some of the things that they need to watch out on um excuse me doing mercury retrograde so excuse me that was two burps. I actually made it through a whole podcast without burping. I'm at the end, and that was just my first two burps, at least that I can remember. But y'all let me know. Y'all always seem to. Um, how to thrive during Mercury retrograde. How to have a positive retrograde. Number one, don't sign that. Now is a bad time for new contracts. Don't sign leases, sale contracts, job offers, or marriage contracts until retrograde. Uh, the retrograde is over if you can if you can't go over that contract thoroughly but don't be surprised that at some point that contract is going to come back up you know something about it wasn't right or aspect that you missed or something like that so don't be surprised number two restart good habits Pick that diet, spiritual class, or yoga routine back up. Now is a great time to reclaim lost health, strength, and personal power. And, you know, that's just saying that usually with the Mercury retrograde, um, it's a good time to pick up things that you left off on. You know, one of the things that I've picked back up on is working out regularly. And it wasn't something that I did because... Mercury retrograde happened, you know, the the vibe of Mercury retrograde or the energy of Mercury retrograde just pushed me to that point. So a lot of times the energy doing the doing the retrograde and there's plenty of the planets that go in retrograde, but people just seem to focus on Mercury. But. You know, that energy doing those Mercury doing those retrogrades will, you know, work their magic without you even have to do any do anything. Uh, number three. Call the mechanic. Change your cars, oil, tires, etc. Mercury retrograde uncovers hidden mechanical flaws, so find them before they find you. And that's with anything, not just cars. That's with any electronics. Mercury retrograde rules electronics. It rules traveling. It rules communication. And I know a few episodes ago in season two, I talked about how doing Mercury retrograde, we had a thunderstorm and the lightning blew out my TV and all that. So expect like uh, any type of electronic uh, malfunctions or um, anything um, when it comes to electronics. Uh, what else? Number four, save that big conversation. And this goes back to what I was talking about when I was speaking on my group podcast uh, with communication and stuff like that, that, um, 
It says, save that big conversation, that big career or relationship talk. It needs to wait. Miscommunication is rampant right now. Save it for later. Yeah. So keep that in mind because it's definitely real. Uh, Number five, spring cleaning. This is a great time to clean out old things, ideas, relationships, cut them loose. Yeah. So those are five things that help you thrive during the Mercury retrograde to have a positive retrograde. So keep those things in mind. Um, Good luck. Mercury retrograde will officially be over February 20th. That's this week coming up. But also there will be a post shadow phase. So just remember those energies will still be lingering. Be careful. Um, Yeah. You know, I like to end off each episode with a song. So uh, Lucky Day's new EP came out and he's one of my. Uh, favorite artist So I'm going to play a song off of his new EP Let me pull it up This podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Spotify, Stitcher And coming soon to iHeartRadio Make sure you like Make sure you download Make sure you share Check out my blog Greatestiamblog.com I should be having a new blog post coming up soon So Make sure you share all these things so they can help somebody. If you enjoy it, send it off so someone else can enjoy it. The goal is to share. The goal is to share. Be intentional about sharing people that you enjoy, people you know, uh, friends, family. Be intentional about that. All right, let me find this song. Uh, Here we go. The song is titled Falling in Love. And like I said, it's off Lucky Day's new EP, Table for Two. Let's go. This is Taste to Consider Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. Say second set of podcast.
Lucky day, falling in love. New EP, table for two. Say sick and sit a podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, the taste, and I'm out.